Do you think you've escaped the mother wound? Listen as the gals examine the bumps and bruises on the path to womanhood. Welcome to Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Two gals on the prowl for enlightenment, sex, and all things holy. Holy Fuck. Each week, beauty alchemist and transformational coach and speaker, Catherine McClelland, and spiritual healer and life coach, Krista Kim, discuss navigating spiritual consciousness in a real human body. Stumbling through dating, relationships, and everyday life, all while maintaining a fucking sense of humor. Hey everyone, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. Have we got a topic for you? <laughs> yeah, we've been doing some research and thinking about this, and Krista's bringing it with some questions today <laughs> about what is this thing, the mother wound, and how do we see it in our lives, and how does it affect us? And we don't even it know is. it's there. <laughs> yeah, it is the mother of all topics. It is the mother of everything. <laughs> Are you a mother? Uh, yes, and... That means that we have the mother wound on so many multiple levels. (laughs) (laughs) Which generation are we talking about? Exactly, because it means we receive the mother wound and then we get the, you know, we get to give the mother wound unless we work on healing it. Well, it probably still gives it. (laughs) It's so funny. I just had this thought I've not had yet before in this conversation of what is the stepmother wound? Oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> that might have to be a whole nother. <laughs> well, actually, so with the mother wound, you know, it's not just about your actual mother. It can be um, somebody who's played the mother role in your life. Some people, you know, weren't brought up with their mother, so their grandmother was there, played the, or offered the mother wound up to them. Interesting. Well, that's true, and I think as a um, stepmom, I had the chance to actually break through some of the mother wound that was happening. But we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I could also see because I had the mother and the stepmother, and they both were very different archetypes of mothers. Yeah. So I now that you're mentioning that, I got a double mother wound. <laughs> <laughs> double trouble for Krista. Because both were the projections, right? I got to, you know, have a multitude of different experiences. Interesting. Interesting. So, I am not in any way um, pretending or alluding to the (laughs) my stepdaughter's mother is anything but the perfect mother. But um, I just had a different way of interacting because she was not my full child. And I know that Mm -hmm. because I have a full child from my body also. (laughs) And um, it was a very different experience. So... Anyway, she is my blessing, and I hope that in some ways I enhanced her life and didn't hold her back too much. Huh? Yeah, and I mean, you and I are going to be talking about this probably more from the mother-daughter perspective, because that's been our experience. And yeah. obviously, you know, men have their own experiences of their mothers, and um, it's probably so there's probably some similarities and also some really big differences. So we'll stick to what we know, that whole mother-daughter thing. The gals. Yeah. So, you know, I... Um, read an article, um, well, I was researching the mother wound, and um, this website, bethanywebster.com, came up, and she had just this, I found the article fascinating, and I looked through several different um, articles, and hers was just the one that resonated with me the most. So, I'll I'll be referencing some of her, some of the stuff she talked about, because I think she did a brilliant job. 
at this. And, you know, it, it the article kind of begins with, you know, where does the mother wound come from? And, you know, what it's talking about really is that how women have lived under this patriarchal reign and, um, you know, whether that's through religion and society, and that that, that has helped kind of um, form and perpetuate ideas of women uh, through the centuries and how it just keeps getting passed down and passed down and passed down. And so, we then have a filtered version of all of the women who have gone before us. And these could be things like, you know, ideas of like, you know, women should be the primary caretakers in the household or that they should serve everybody and give up their needs, sacrifice themselves. Um, Oh, and one of them was, there's a right way to be a mother. And if you don't do it that right way, quote unquote, naturally, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, and that one really resonated with me because I was like, wow, it was the first time I really thought about like, oh, okay, well, if I haven't been the perfect mother, then then does that mean that I'm also not a good person? Like, Well, and it's that achievement of perfect mother status that we're always rushing around trying to get, right? That's part of the mother wound is that the somehow, and when we say patriarchy, we're not talking about men. We're talking about a structure of our society that handed down, you know, I mean, it, it probably was men at some point, but now we see that men have been subjugated by the patriarchy, just like we are subjugated in some ways by our mother wounds. And our mothers were wounded by their mother's wounds. And how this play is so intertwined in all the parts of our lives. And that's why we were talking about the bumps and bruises (laughs) along the way. And really, I think in the bottom line, Krista, right, what it's about is our empowerment. And how do we get stuck in another century with our mothers? And how do we get out of it? And that's yeah, because really what you deal. just said was interesting. It's this um, we're kind of like pulling apart, you know, untangling ourselves from our mothers and deciphering, like, okay, what is truly ours and what was hers, and differentiating and kind of like figuring out where we are at this stage in our life and how much of our past relationship with our mother is still kind of coming into play and forming our ideas and decisions. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this, and we were really playing with, um, in my life, how my mother was, in some ways, very empowered as a young woman to go to college and to do all sorts of things. And she took chances and did those kinds of things. And she was a drafts person during the war. And, you know, she got this incredible job because all the men were at war. And she knew she was going to leave it when they got back, and then she went back to college. But she was really, really empowered as a young woman. And she did She did definitely break the mold, especially for her young days, right? It was during World mm-hmm. War II. And yet, when I <laughs> made some choices in my life where— um, She wasn't sure I was going to be protected, and it was like protected by the patriarchy in some way. She rallied against it and railed against it with me and, you Mm -hmm. know, sort of pushing me into a marriage that wasn't right, pushing me into a job and trying to keep me in a job that wasn't right because it was my quote-unquote career. It was like she had— she had gone through the first stage of breaking the patriarchy, but she didn't realize I was going to need to keep breaking it in order mm-hmm. to keep my life on track. Wow. 
Yeah. yeah, and it's gonna. It's for all of us. It's this pattern. I think if we keep breaking it and breaking it, and so then we're also passing on another broken version of it. <laughs> exactly. Like we're not. You know, I'm. <laughs> we could get the girls on this show, and they could probably tell us what we've given them. And even this generation, we could just you know probably ask another generation. But for us, we're sharing today the idea of the mother wound and how it's yeah. affected us. And, you know, we're asking you guys, take this out in your life. I shouldn't even say guys, you ladies out there. Yeah. Um, I want to quote know. something. Sure. Oh, Go sorry. Ahead. I didn't thought you were done. Um, I want to quote um, this um, paragraph from her article because it, um, I think it really sums it up so that we can have a jumping off point because there's okay. so much to this mother wound. Because we're going to dive into Catherine's mother wound today because she keeps going, you know, I can't find the, the exact Point of my mother wound. I'm like, girl, then let's go on a scavenger we're hunt. We're going to go on a scavenger hunt. Krista's got her little microscope yeah. out, and we're going to find it where it is. So this quote from um, Bethany's article says, As a result of these intense and superhuman standards, women abandon their dreams, lock away their desires, and smother their needs in favor of meeting the cultural idea of what motherhood should be. This pressure is suffocating for most women, breeding rage, depression, and anxiety, which is then passed on to their children through subtle or even aggressive forms of emotional abandonment and manipulation, such as shame, guilt, and obligation. This forms the mother wound. That is a very powerful, powerful statement. Mm Mm-hmm. So I have to look forward to you uh, becoming the anthropologist archaeologist today in my life and finding out what's here. Well, because the way I understand the way you describe your mom is that she did have it together in so many ways. And Mm -hmm. she was um, cutting edge in certain areas and maybe had a pretty high standard. And then there were, you know, other sides of her that you were possibly disappointed in. Well, it was funny because, you know, I felt like, Kristen, I think this is the funniest thing about my mom, is I felt like my mother was living this story by trying to break out of the patriarchy of my father and the patriarchy of the world long before, like, you know, really, uh, when I was a little, little baby, she was already working on it, like, in the 60s and the 70s, and she was constantly going out in the world and working. And she had had uh, two kids first and then three second. And she was kind of done, I think, except she really (laughs) wanted more kids. So we talked about this one time where they used to call us the children and the grandchildren because Mm -hmm. um, the little three ones, she was ready to go back to work by the time we came along. She was kind of the perfect mom for the first two boys. She was still in school, and she was she carried my one brother across the stage, and you know all of these beautiful things when she graduated from college, and you know it was all these amazing things. She was superwoman. She did everything, and then when we came right. along, as much as she wanted us, and believe me, she wanted girls, so we knew we were wanted. We just didn't spend any time with her. <laughs> we were, right. where did she go? So it's a funny story for me to look at my mom battling her mother wounds and the wounds of the patriarchy. Well, that's what's so interesting maybe about this quote is because it's when we say that um, she was abandoning her, let's see, how would that work? Because if she, um, 
was almost like she wanted to be superwoman and not super mom. She wanted to be superwoman. And, you know, let's give her credit. It was the 60s and 70s. It was really the 70s when it got intense for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were, um, you know, 10, 11, starting around that, you know. So so our 10 to 20 years were in the 70s, my sister and I. And this was when my mom just, she was so into that woman's lib thing. She was like, (laughs) I'm done. You know, I can do it all. I think actually what it was was I can do it all. And she really honestly thought she could. And her mother was, her mother's situation was very tragic in some ways. Her mother was very ill mentally and she was sent to boarding school and she grew up with nuns. So talk about the way it was supposed to be. Like she really had a picture in her head that she was going to create that her mom couldn't make for her. And she did it with the first two. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then and the she's last, like, I'm done. She was, she was really. I think you know some of us could really can really understand that story, right, Krista? Like, absolutely. You get yeah. through a couple kids, and then you're like, I did that perfect woman, and I'm burnt out, and now I'm gonna do something else. And yet, you still got to feed that last kid. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta still take care of those kids. So let's. You said something to me about the um, four things. The four. Yeah. So that's what, what I was going to bring up yeah. here, because there's um, also in the article is talking about the four fundamental functions of motherhood. That's it. Mothering. Yeah. And um, and this was an aha moment for me. So um, the first is to nurture, to protect, to empower, and to initiate. So I looked at that as like, okay, so we're nurturing our kids, and so we were going to feed them, we're going to diaper them, and then we go on, you know, now that that, that basic uh, level is taken care of, then we go and we protect them. We make sure they're safe, nothing's going to harm them, they're warm, they have shelter. Then as they get older, we empower them. You know, we try to say, you can do it, you're smart, you've got this. Like, And then for me, it was this last phase of to initiate, and I was like, Bingo, that's where my, you know, where I feel like that's where the mothering stopped because my mother was fantastic about nurturing and taking care of me. And, you know, I think it started to slip in the empowering place because Mm. it's not that she didn't, you know, think I was smart and encourage me to go to college and those type of things. I just think that her fears around me going out into the world um, capped the level of empowerment she was able to offer me. And then so then in that final phase of initiating me out into the world, I just think it was so fear-based that as I was initiating, it was like, I had to find it within myself to initiate myself. And I know I I really look back and think, you know, I desperately just wanted her to be like, you've got this, come on, you know, and have that last little like booster pack in the jet. And I just didn't get it. So I'm curious with you, Mm. I don't think your experience was the same as mine. So we have to nurture, to protect, (laughs) empower, and initiate. Where do you feel like you... Got, you get a little sticky with the mother wound. Well, I think I think it didn't show up for me to notice until I had my own children, um, mm-hmm. and especially a little infant of my own. But I did not have a nurturing experience with my mother. My mother took mm-hmm. care of me. Do not get me wrong. My yeah. father was very traditional and did all the work, you know, and he was mm-hmm. always in his office or doing whatever. <laughs> but my mother, she provided things for us, and she was fun and playful, but she was doing it as like this, it was a commitment she had to herself to express herself. So she did music with us and theater, in some ways very much like you, Krista, where she mm-hmm. she used the things she loved and we came along with her plan, you know, and <laughs> yeah. we did it and we loved it and that was fine and it all worked out. But nurturing was not a thing we had. 
nurturing was not something we had. The the moments I had um, housekeepers that took care of me, I had brothers that took care of me, sort of, and I had nannies that took care of me. And I did not have... Well, my mother. You were wanting then. Like, what would the thing have been that she could have done that you would have known? Like, oh, I feel nurtured. Oh, uh, just touch me, hug me, um, make a space like a kind, like a a warm space to be held in. And our house and our life was, you know, we lived overseas and it was very full, and um, we were just full of people that took care of us, sure, but there was nobody who was the one who came to you or you went to. Recently, somebody Mm -hmm. asked me, who was the person you went to in your childhood? And I was like, (laughs) I I don't know. Couldn't think of someone. I don't know. My sister came to me. Right. I was responsible for her. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't. I didn't have someone. And it was an interesting journey. And it didn't show up until I had a kid. And then when I well, had my that's own how it child, works, right? I was struggling with nurturing. I didn't even know I was struggling with nurturing mm. until I started seeing other moms. And I'm like, oh. And then his, some, we had this beautiful, beautiful co-op that I went to. And the teachers taught parents, basically, how to be even better parents, which I'm so grateful for. And I know Spirit dropped me in that nursery school. Yeah. So my <laughs> child didn't have a mom who was busy all the time providing things for him and classes and this and that and that, but could never sit quietly with him and just be with him. I was... You know, and up until mm. that point, I was just kind of moving him through the world through music lessons and, you know, and all that sort of stuff that we can do to kids. So nurturing, really nurturing, that was a thing that I really missed. And, and so then what happens in this whole mother wound is usually the component that we feel like we missed, that then this is the dysfunctional coping mechanism that's, um, I think, uh, talked about in the article where um, we we are trying to process the pain. So like you're trying to process the pain of not being nurtured. And so then what you do then is you, as you become a mother, it's one of those, I'm, you're going to go and do it perfectly. I'm going to make sure that my kid is the most, you know, is the most nurtured. And um, so I think everyone kind of does that little pendulum. Like if your mom was a stay at home mom, like you're going to be the working mom. Cause you have wounds around your mom always being there and in your business. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think that that nurturing thing was huge awareness for me. I had no idea that I hadn't really been nurtured and I didn't know how to do it. And that was a powerful thing to then take on with my child and work through and wonder about and how do I show up and all this, like, what's the way? And I also noticed that, you know, at the end of this article about our mother wound, of course, they reflect us into our own lives and they say, how are you with yourself? And this, that was probably the biggest shift in my life was making myself a priority. Because my mom really in her, all her striving to get out in the world and defeat the patriarchy so she could have a voice and be a teacher and do all the things she wanted to do, which she did. She actually never, ever really looked after herself. And that was the thing that I'm kind of famous for in my family, and I wouldn't right. say that necessarily in a nice way. <laughs> that's well, and that's part of that's um, you know, and this is what we'll get to. But I guess we're get, we're going to get to right now. That's the healing Jumping. moment is where we. Um, that's kind of like 
how we heal the mother wound is when we realize that we have the power to become our own mother. I just remembered something on the way, Krista, that makes perfect sense now. So remember we talked about how, you know, my mother was this, like, push me out in the world mostly except when it it didn't fit and she got scared, right? But mostly my mother was very, very empowering, keep going, keep going. When I... Right before, when I was about to commit to myself for the first time to put my career behind me, to not care what anybody thought, is mm-hmm. the biggest shift where I didn't go for what I wanted in my life. And right after so I got married. What did you want? She wanted me to marry the person that I wanted to move away with. And I wanted right. to just go start my life over in California and just go. And she wanted me to marry him. And it was this oh. big deal. It wasn't like a tiny bit of pressure. It was this huge. Right. And so he he was very clear that he loved me. So he just proposed. And I wanted to get out of there so bad. I didn't even think about whether I loved him or not. I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and this was my way of breaking out was to not have to be like, I still, but I didn't see it that I was actually doing what she wanted by Mm. getting married. And the next step was that I got unmarried and that's when I actually broke out. So I had to like live through doing it her way and then falling apart in that because it wasn't for me and then doing it my way, which was, you know, in some ways a very challenging experience. <laughs> well, and this is part of, you know, there's a lot of signs for the mother wound. And one that I think will resonate with you is um, they say never feeling that they had their mother's approval or acceptance. Mm. And so, you know, when you're looking back in the mother wound, you're looking for places where you made a decision in order to remain in favor with the mother, to make sure your mother still loves you and will be there and, you know, take care of you in some way. That was it. That was that moment. Mm -hmm. And what I think is also, what you just said, Krista, that's also really interesting is that I was saying this, it's sort of like my mother was empowering only within the lane that she believed in right? and that she saw. And so I could go in that lane But the second my world was getting bigger or different or more wild than what she even saw as possible, then that's when it all came down. And there was so much disapproval and so much shutdown, right? It wasn't like, wow, I don't know anything about that. And maybe you'll help me understand and how a young woman your age would want to leave her career behind and do something like that, right? And I think a lot of us, I think this is a big topic because when you're talking about in, you know, in her lane, like everybody is brought up and they're safe and they feel comfortable in the thing they know, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, and this is probably why from generation to generation, you know, parents want, if they're a doctor, they want their kid to be a doctor. If they're a teacher, they want them to be a teacher because it's what they know. And then what the child is asking to do is to, in a way, be given permission to go on their own path. And I think... You know, uh, the newer generations are getting better at allowing and supporting the younger generation to break away and go on their path. But it's still going to, I think, take some time because, again, like just say me, for instance, I I feel like I've given my kids a lot of that permission, but it has come through the lens of my mother wound. So I've done the pendulum as well where, okay, my mom, you know, I don't feel like uh, you know, empowered me and initiated me out. So, what have I done with my kids? 
my biggest concern with them was, can they take care of themselves and will they feel like brave enough to go out in the world and do what they want to do? So in order for me to get them to that stage, to initiate them, you know, I've um, maybe wasn't as nurturing or doing every little thing for them because I wanted them to know they could do it by themselves. But the flip side, so then what I um, kind of see my the mother and my daughter is dealing with is she doesn't feel as if I was nurturing or soft enough or like, you know, I, I didn't do all her. there for her in the way she wanted it because she wanted like what she wanted. She wanted the soft mother. But I felt like, oh, if I was too soft, then she wouldn't have it within her to initiate into the world. So mm, this is how, what we're talking about, how the mother wound kind of swings and I have my mother wound. So then I come and I try to course correct with my child. Right. And then she has her experience, and then she'll try to course correct with her child. Right. Like when that, when my son was in um, high school and junior high school and high school, and I was getting divorced, I was not going to work in the afternoons after school. Like you couldn't have made me do that because mm-hmm. that is where I felt abandoned by my mother. That was when she went off to work and she, while she thinks she might <laughs> have been home, If she was home, she was distracted, and mostly she wasn't. Um, And during that time, my father was away a lot for a job that he was doing. Um, So my sister and I really fended for ourselves. And I was not a fan of that. And my uh, we had just moved from overseas back to the U.S. I was having culture shock like you've never imagined and certainly didn't know what that was. I was just uncomfortable (laughs) at school. Um, I went from a school with 120 kids to a high school of 2,000. So my life was just like completely changing. And it was a pretty rough high school. It was a desegregation high school. So there was a lot of uh, tension, racial tension, and I had nobody at home to talk to mm. about this. And I just wasn't going to let that happen to my son. Now, you want to talk to my son? He's like, my mom was always, always go there. away, mom. You're always around. You know, so it just, it just, oh, getting this thing right as a mom is not easy, right? Well, and that's then, the superhuman part that they're talking about. It sets it so high oh, it that does. we're just destined to fail. And then once then we create another mother wound. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting because the way the patriarchy sees the father is the provider, Right? The father's not supposed to be the nurturer and the provider. Mm -hmm. And so that's okay. And like my dad did, he just focused on his work all the time. And it was his joy and he loved it. And that was fantastic. But he didn't take care of us. He was like, oh, that's somebody else's job, I'm pretty sure. And so my mom decided the same thing. She's like, well, it's not my job anymore either. And I don't mean to paint a picture of uh, really painful neglect here, not at all. But we didn't have our parents, and I didn't have my mother's attention. And she would try to do it all so many times, and so many times just not be able to get there in time, not be able to pick us up, not be able to show up for the show. And then she would do it, and then she would fall off the wagon again. So it was a very interesting experience. And I I do know that I did spend my parenting years trying to compensate in some ways for that. My mother was a kind person and a loving person, but she had had it. (laughs) <laughs> by I, yeah, by the time I was 10, she had had it. And by the time I was three, she was going back to work. So it was just an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, it was probably, yeah, like similar to her. 
just because my kids were so close together in age, right? So if I had a four-year-old, two-year-old, a newborn, it's like, you know, by the time they get to be 12, 10, and eight, I was like exhausted from diapers and <laughs> snacks yeah. and lessons and trying to find myself and all of that. And so, yeah, there there was a need for everybody to be a little self-sufficient. So, you know, because there just wasn't, I didn't have enough arms and enough energy to provide every single thing for them. And so out of necessity, they had to, well, I should say out of necessity, they needed to learn how to do things on their own. And because I was also trying to run a theater and do some things that would fill me up and light me up, I'm sure they could look back if they wanted to and go, oh, mom was mothering all the kids at the theater and wasn't able to, you know, make my snack in the afternoon or help me with my homework. Yeah. I mean, um, that that is the way it goes, right? Generation mm-hmm. to generation. So how do we defeat this mother wound, right? <laughs> and I know it has everything to do um, Krista, with the work we did at, it, at our spiritual psychology program, it has everything to do with the work we, we do with our clients right now. Yeah. Healing the wound rather than doing the opposite thing right. <laughs> that our parents this is not, did. This is not about going back and blaming our mothers. So no. I want to make that really clear because no. it's just about... Um, because there's a lot of shame around this topic. Mm-hmm. And it's actually one of the reasons why it's um, taking so long to kind of get a grip on, because it's shameful. As daughters, we feel guilty talking about our mothers, because right. we know they've done so much for us, and they've sacrificed so much. So it feels bad to talk about it. And yet, if we don't we talk to. about it, then we can't then it just adds to the shame and the guilt and it keeps building. So we've kind of been stuck for a long time of like shutting our mouths and not talking about it. And so, um, you know, we we really need to just get in the place of like, this is normal. This is what's happening. Just because I talk about, you know, my experience with my mother doesn't mean my mother was a bad mother. It means that I filtered in her information. I took it to mean something and now I'm having a reaction to it. And now I'm making parenting decisions and other decisions in my life based on it. And we're just taking notice of it so we can see what our behaviors and feelings are around it so we can soften it a bit. Yeah, and I think what what's really true, Krista, and I know you know this because you know you work with this with your clients as well as I do, is that the only thing to do with the mother wound is heal it. The mm-hmm. only thing. This it's so great to identify it and to hear these steps and the things that mothers are supposed to do and provide for our kids mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But really, you know, if our parents are not capable they're not capable. Or if it isn't the moment, like my mother was capable with my other siblings, but she wasn't capable with the little three ones. So whatever it is, is actually part of our spiritual curriculum. It's actually part of what we're supposed to grow through. Right, Krista? And so, Mm -hmm. so it's not that the person delivering it is the object of our upset. It's, wow, this happened in my life this way. And I want to heal from that. And the younger we are when we do the recognition of the mother wound and we do this work, then we don't have to promote it on our children, right? We right. don't have to put it forward. We can actually learn about it and and take it to the next level in our own lifetime, right? So one of the ways that we can um, help with that is to look at some of the signs of the mother wound, Catherine. 
Ooh. Would you like to to dig into yeah. your mother wound? And I want to see say one other there? thing. I want to say one other cool thing just before. Okay, that even if we waited till later in life, healing because of the time space continuum that is in flux all the time. Healing happens backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. So it happens. It can happen to our children even after they leave our home, and it can happen to our ancestry, therefore, within us and the heredity and ancestry that we carry, even after we've left the parenting role, for the most part, when our kids Mm -hmm. are older. So just because we didn't do it in our 20s is no excuse. Or maybe we did a level and we have more. Some of us have (laughs) a lot more. Um, But it's exciting to know that it's available to you always, right? So we don't have to say, oh, I didn't do that. Now my kids have this. It's like, do it now. Talk to your kids now. But there's also certain stages, like, you know, in my 20s, I didn't even know I had any mother wounds because I was just at the phase of pulling apart from her and finding myself. So it it wasn't even, I wasn't even angry at her at that point or finding fault with her. I was just like, oh, I'm sad because my mom and I, we don't live in the same place anymore. And it's harder to talk and see each other. And, you know, we're just in different places right now. But I hadn't identified you know, why it was... We're in different places because I was leaving home (laughs) because I didn't want to be part of that anymore. I mean, that's part of it, right? Yeah. So, um, some signs of the mother wound. Signs of the mother wound that you just don't want to go into. Your ego is like, no, no, no. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I can take it. Maybe that's true. Bring it. So, you know, not all of these, yeah, not all of these are going to resonate with you, but um, they will definitely give our listeners some um, places to kind of poke at within themselves. So, um, this is is from, again, BethanyWebster.com, her little list of uh, signs of the mother wound. Comparison, not feeling good enough. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. So my mom, my mother, while she was raised by nuns, very nurturing nuns, she was not in one of those horrendous places that most of us go, we're like, oh, God, not that, you know. Um, But went to, um, I'll just say it, she went to Radcliffe, which is at the time was certainly the premier school in America for women, of course, and even now is one of them. And um, she said to me very often, I don't know how I got into that school, and I don't know how I graduated. And what did you take to mean from that? I Yeah, I didn't go the best place with that. I went, well, <laughs> if she can't, because she was my god, right? She was my goddess. She was my mother. Mm-hmm. And she was smart and interesting. And all these people thought she was so this and that. And she was always dressed and going to parties and that kind of thing. If my mother doesn't know how she got in, because she's clearly not smart enough, how on earth? Am I ever oh. going to do that? So for me, I took it in as, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that. I didn't even so try. Which is so funny because when, I, when the first time you told me that, I, the, way, the way I heard it was, oh, well, if she doesn't even know, then I can definitely get in too because I don't have to know Oh no! (laughs) No, maybe I missed the nuance in that, which was I wasn't smart enough. The nuance was Mm -hmm. I'm not smart enough to have gotten in there. I don't know how I got in there. Like, oh my god, it just happened to me. Except that you know she spoke Latin and did all these other things that she grew up learning how to do, but she she didn't feel it in herself. 
She didn't see her own power and her own intelligence. And therefore, she she brought it back to me that she couldn't possibly have been smart enough. You know, not only did she get in, but she graduated, right? She right. went back after the war and did all that stuff. And she had a kid at the same time. Like, she was doing it all, right? I was no way. I, I just, I didn't even try to compete. I just went like, so the, I'm then out. What de- then what decisions did, like... Is there a decision that you made after that? Yeah. I just was like, I don't need to try in school. I'm not going there. I'm never going to get in there. I'm not. Like, she Uh was everything. She really was. And the fact that she wasn't my nurturer didn't affect me at that point in my life. Like, I didn't know that. But Mm -hmm. she was everything. She did everything. She was amazing. So what about shame? Consistent background sense that there is something wrong with you. She she was a fat shamer. <laughs> my mm-hmm. mama was really terrified of her own weight. Mm-hmm. And I was on my first diet in fourth grade. I remember bringing yeah. um, cottage cheese to camp for lunch. <laughs> you and I have the same story. I got five saltine crackers, a piece of American cheese, and five apple slices every day for lunch. And, and my, my mom wasn't doing it because I was on a diet, but I, I knew she was on a diet. And she was always very concerned about her weight. And so that was her lunch that she would take to school. So when she was packing my lunch the same way, I just assumed it was because she was watching my weight too. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I know she didn't mean that. Yeah, yeah. There's a picture of my sister and I, and we're 10, and we're holding this book called Lose 10 Pounds Fast. Mm. 10. We were 10. We were these little muscular, running around, swimming, playing children. We were not heavy set. (laughs) It's like, okay. That was a piece of shame in my family. And it was, I mean, my mother would walk by and she'd pat me on the ass, Mm -hmm. getting a little round. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I thought I was kind of cute. I'm like, look, my butt's getting kind of round. Mm-mm, that's not yeah. okay. So there was certainly some shame there. Yeah. Um, how about the feeling you must remain small in order to be loved? Well, there was a certain amount of teasing um, about how big I was as a child, how vocal. I had about 40 nicknames to try and control my behavior. Um so I would say that's how the shame came in, was it, it was like belittling, name-calling. Uh, oh, my, the name was, the most important one was Lucy Van Pelt from the Charlie Brown, mm-hmm. you know, and I was always <laughs> bossing everybody around. And I'm like, I was an amazing boss lady, but it was absolutely not okay. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. This is fun. This is like a quiz show or something. I know. This Too bad there's not a point system on here. I know. I'm like up to um, 50 points at least, I'm sure. A persistent sense of guilt for wanting more than you currently have. I, I don't remember that one. Okay. Yeah. Codependency in relationships. Okay, little. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah, pleasing. The pleasing I was doing with my mom was also the pleasing I was doing. Yeah, I know my mom and I were really close and, and meshed together. And so when I went off to college and, you know, and then moved to California, it was this like pulling apart. And, um, you know, she, I think her mother wound of, she left um, her mom when she was like 20 and moved across country with my dad. And she always regretted not being able to stay with near her mom and mm. have that really close relationship. And so mm. then it was like put on her and I of like, 
she wanted us then to be that thing that she lost out on with her mom. And so then what did I do? I moved across country. <laughs> so oh, the other direction. <laughs> the other direction, yeah. Wow. That's fascinating, Krista. I love this stuff because you do this stuff and you think you're so empowered. You think you know what you're doing. You think you're so like, I'm so grown up and I'm doing something no one's ever done before. And you realize you did the exact same thing exact as your mother. Thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. crap. Repeat. Repeat. <laughs> What else? Um, what else? How about um, uncertainty about the relationship with the mother and if it could be lost with a mistake or an accident? For sure, it could be lost. Yeah, for sure. And that's mine too. I think that's probably the biggest one. It's like if I don't be like if I don't make decisions that are in alignment with her, then she'll withhold the love or withdraw the love. Yeah, and I think I remember going through a phase in my twenties where I felt like. I did get to a place where I felt like my mother loved me and I felt like I couldn't lose her love. Like I remember I kind of went into like a panicky state about I couldn't lose my mother's love. And I'm guessing that's right around the time that I got married, that there was some confluence Mm -hmm. of I was trying to not get married. She was pushing me in that direction. I leaned into it. I knew it was uncomfortable, but I couldn't take the chance. Yeah, 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 because my mom was using, she was built, rebuilding her wedding dress for me, and she was doing a beautiful job, and she'd spent an entire year on it. Can you imagine me mm. canceling a wedding then? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, 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 she will never speak to me again. And of course, mm-hmm. years later, she was like, why didn't you just tell me? And I was like, well, because you were so happy. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you didn't want to lose the love and the... Uh... The support and the security. And it was so fun to be the apple of her eye while she was working on my dress. And maybe I was finally getting her Finally, yeah. You know, and she was like planning this big wedding and it was beautiful and I was beautiful and everything was beautiful. And my mom was so excited and her friends were happy and we were all bubbly about it. And I cried for an entire month. Mm -hmm. And then I just gave it up and I said, no, I'm not... I'm not, I'm doing this. I'm just doing it. And it was not his fault. It was me. The whole thing was just me. You know, he was, he is and was a lovely human being. And I am so sorry for what I put him through. (laughs) For the thousandth time, Catherine is sorry. (laughs) Yeah, for him, I feel like I probably can never say it enough times. Um, That's okay. He's on his journey. We know that. He is, and it's just. But this is what we're, this is what we're talking about, though, where there's this wounding in there. And then how we go and make decisions from that wound. And we don't even see it when we're doing it. Mm-mm. It's so subtle. It's like we just are trying to please people. Well, we don't know that pleasing is the wrong thing to do. That's because ultimately you didn't, right? Because then, yes, then you moved across <laughs> country, then you married him, then you divorced him, which created another <laughs> disappointment with mother. And the, so the disappointment just actually grew. Oh, yeah. And the day she said you know. to me, the day she said to me in the car, you know, I've been really angry with you for the last two years. And I'm like, okay, where is this going? <laughs> and I said, what happened? And she said, well, we took that young man under our wing and we loved him and we brought him into our family and then you divorced him. Mm. And I still didn't say, and the reason I married him was because of you. Right. I still said, I was so furious. I remember I, I thought for sure steam was coming out my ears. Mm-hmm. And she's like driving along and I'm like, mm-hmm. and I still didn't say anything. Not a yeah. word. Yeah. 
because like she then you would risk approval. Disapproval. Yeah. Yeah. So what about this is exhausting. I'm gonna have a week of therapy after this. Oh my god. <laughs> There's but, like a couple more to go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Listeners, I hope you're doing your list out there, too. That's right. So what about um, feelings of having to protect, care for, or shelter your mother rather than her protecting or caring for you? Yeah. And this actually, you know, can take um, place in subtle ways or in bigger ways. Like this happens a lot with um, children whose parents are addicts where their parents, because of their drug addiction, alcohol, um, that type of thing, the kids were really having to Grow. provide for themselves at a very young age, find themselves food and get themselves to school and do those type of you know, basic things that we take for granted. Yeah, I think it was the relationship between my parents. I think there was um, a lot of sort of respect between my parents, but not a lot of that gentleness between them. Mm. And I felt like uh, my father had some, I I can see myself, I'm like, don't say this, don't say this. But I feel like my father had some impatience and incorrect ideas of how women are, so Mm. that he was always impatient with my mom, always waiting for her, you know, like, so that I felt like I always had to stand. Now, this is interesting. This is like this reverse mother wound, right? So I have to stand up for my mom with my dad. And right. I fought Protect my dad. Her. Yeah. And I protected her because my I fought my dad all the time when he would do little presumptuous things about my mom. I'd be like, hmm, well, maybe you could get the butter. <laughs> my dad wasn't a hitter, but I can imagine that he might have thought about it at that moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, wow, this mm. is really, wow. Kevin's like, yeah, no, I don't have a mother wound at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be fair, my mother has passed in, in the last, you know, six to eight years of our lives, we really were healing a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But when I go back there, I'm like, well, there's a lot of stuff. There's still, yeah, there's threads, but this is good for, you know, our audience because they're getting to see the different, you know, ways in which it can play out. Yeah. In you Um, and me. Yeah. Not being your full self because you don't want to threaten others. Oh, hello, that's definitely me. Go. Yeah. Same oh, work. Go. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, I have that, like, if I'm too big, then I'm going to, um, you know, even with like this, it, we've used this example many times, but the podcast, it's like, it's a way in which I'm putting myself out there that threatens their morals, their way of being in the world, who they think a woman should be, how we should talk, the 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 topics that we're allowed to talk about in public, um, me doing the, the spiritual work, um, threatens, like, because it's different than the way they live, then that must mean I somehow disapprove of the way I was raised or I disapprove of them if they don't believe the same way. It's, it just it pushes mm. up against their comfort zone. Absolutely. So the, the the idea is I should be smaller, I shouldn't be as big, I should be quieter, you know, less on social media, write shorter articles that don't really like say much just so I don't, you know, say something that's too controversial or something like that. Yeah. Well, great, great catch, Krista. I do remember we were starting the podcast. Remember my mother was like 95. And, um, I was like, my 95-year-old mother, she's going to hear this. And we're like, nope, God knows. She actually doesn't know how to listen to a podcast. And I'm yeah. never telling her I'm doing this. And Krista did bust my chops about that a lot, didn't you, in the beginning? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about my mom was she often loved stuff like this. And if it had been anybody else, she probably would have really enjoyed it. 
Oh, absolutely. Not so yeah. sure she would have enjoyed it if it had been me. My parents, too. It's that same thing. Yeah, they'll watch all the movies and the comedians and read the books, and it's a, it's great for somebody else's daughter to be doing it, but just not me, because it's yeah, somehow going to reflect on like them. That. No. <laughs> no. No. Um, okay, two more. Wow. Having a high tolerance for poor treatment from others. Well, I feel like my mother embodied that. And so I feel like I did learn it at her knee. I felt like she... I mean, she had a lot of tolerance or she was the poor treat- treater? No, she had a lot of tolerance. And, mm-hmm. and I saw her letting herself be poorly treated in many, many situations and also making it okay for me to be poorly treated. Not on mm-hmm. purpose, but like it was invisible to her. Like men sleezing yeah. up to me when I was a little girl, like... Somebody should have slapped him, you know? And I know she was angry about it, but did she say anything? Mm -mm. I think I had it from a different way. It's like, I think I saw the way my mom was treated by her husband's ex-husbands and um, how she had to please them all the time, just like they knew it was right. And so I I saw her like going along with it or feeling like she didn't have a choice. She just kind of had to. Mm. And that just frustrated me so deeply that I was like, I will never let a man to I'll never let a man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Except my husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I think there's been this, then I looked, um, like, there was a time I think I lost respect for her. Yeah. From that. And so, um, and then I, then I started treating her poorly because of it. Mm. And, uh, yeah. I had a period of that. of that too. Yeah. No, I had a period of that too. I think it was younger and, I mean, out of the house younger. Right, but and I think my daughter's doing that too. My daughter's doing the same thing. Is like you, mm-hmm. you bump up against the edge where you see maybe characteristics about your mom that you don't love, and so then you, I don't know, like well, maybe it and, it's because we pretended to be so incredibly um, perfect, and then we see the imperfection and we're pissed about it. Yeah. Ugh. Let's, let's don't look there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just close that door. Yeah, no. last one. Let's just get to this one. Emotional caretaking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really... Well, emotional caretaking, like, what would that even mean? What it means like, is that when me. you see your mother having an experience, or you are you have an empathic experience with your mother that something isn't okay for her. I remember, here's one Mm. for the history books. I remember the day after my birthday, I was three years old. It was November 22nd, 1963. Does anybody know what date that was? (laughs) That was the day that John F. Kennedy was shot. Mm. And my mother was sobbing hysterically. I, of course, had never seen anything like this. And she was putting away my birthday party stuff. And they got, they were like, somehow they got connected inside me. And I was just terrified. And when you said this emotional caretaking, I just realized it's because I was terrified that she wasn't okay. Because she was all I had. Right. Like, what if my mom wasn't okay? And I was just like, well, I'm stepping up. Don't you worry, mom. I've got this. (laughs) And I do think actually it's something for moms to keep an eye on is do not let your kids do that. Yeah, tell where them, they step tell into them. feeling like they need to parent you or... Um, yeah, I mean, you yeah, tell them I'm sad, but mommy's okay. 
Yeah, I, well, that's important. I don't know. I don't know if I did that with my son. I'm sure I cried in front of him. Probably he doesn't feel like I'm okay sometimes. <laughs> and I should. I, I think, think that's okay. To, I mean, there. Yeah, because we have to. There is this line of like they do need to see people have emotions and women who have emotions because shit, they're going to be dealing with a lot of women with a lot of emotions for the rest of their life. So we don't want them to think True. that women should have to keep it all together either because that's that superhuman thing. So well, maybe it was because my mom did that up until that point. Like, I never saw her cry. I never saw her have an emotion. She was just like, go, 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 girl, and just handling everything in a very busy life with my father. And all of a sudden, she was completely undone. And so there was mm-hmm. no normalcy to it. Like, you know, I I cry on a daily basis in front of people. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I and that is from healing, because I certainly couldn't cry because I was much more like my mom. Yeah. They wow. go to it. And yeah, so wow, that's a big one for me. I'm going to listen to this episode. <laughs> I know, because there's a lot here. I mean, and there's so much more to this, too. It goes much yeah. deeper than we're just kind of like giving an overview today. And You may um, hear about this again. Yeah. But, you know, it's really um, so what I had said earlier in the episode is that one of the um, ways in which we can begin healing it is where we take ownership and begin mm. to be our own mother. So it's where we, you know, sometimes it's going back to past things that we feel hurt about. And um, it's a way of, you know, it's like the inner child work and going in and um, reparenting and kind of like getting to have a little do-over with those um, memories. And it's, but it's not just about going back into the past. It's about, you know, like for me right now in my life, it's this moment of where I'm trying to once again initiate myself into this next phase of my life. And as you've heard in the last couple of episodes, there's still this part of me that's wanting this, wanting my mom or my parents or my family or my kids, ex-husband to be, you know, behind me, initiating me forward. And what's really becoming apparent is that I have to do this last part for myself. Like I, you know, it is about me no longer needing the approval of my mother or the Mm -hmm. validation or, um, or letting go of the fear that my parents aren't going to love me or I'm going to disappoint them if I go and do these steps in the world. So this is really um, probably one of the reasons we're talking about this um, mother wound topic is because it's been really present for me in my life. And as I've talked about it with you, you and I have had such opposite um, upbringings and experiences with the mother. So it's fascinating because, you know, all the wounds that you've received (laughs) from your mom are kind of all the wounds that I'm dishing out to my kid. <laughs> so it's in really some ways, interesting. In some, in some ways. ways, it is interesting. And I do, I do love this focus, you know, and we have touched on it before in this podcast today. This idea that we are ultimately responsible and all of those things that got in there and niggled us and twiggled us, they are, they are our spiritual curriculum. They are our journey. And we are meant to heal. We are not supposed to take these out on our parents for the rest of our lives. And hopefully we, we heal them soon enough to have at least a few good years with our parents <laughs> um, before they pass and that we see what's ours and we make the choices in our life and we create boundaries, right? And we do all the things that need to be done so that each of us can have the family we want going forward and the family we want going backwards. We can heal those wounds. We can say what was missing. And the emotional work is really, really important. You know, yes, so Krista, you know, you're just saying you have to get yourself out and initiate yourself in the world. But the truth is you also have to 
do, you've had to do all this deeper work. And now it's even a possibility that you can initiate yourself because otherwise you would be still in the old story. Still be waiting. Too scary. (laughs) It would just be simply too scary because their nurturing is all that you have unless you do something else. So this is an amazing opportunity for women to come together with their parents, with their families, and really live into the truth of what's inside them, heal it, and then go back home and really realize like, man, these people did a lot for me. Mm -hmm. They didn't do everything. And there were certain places where there were some big misses, but they're for me to fix now. I'm the grown-up. This is, we found out, a grown-up show now. So (laughs) now that we've decided that. And this is the great opportunity too. you know, I know it's a little bit harder to share these mother wounds with our mothers and yeah. especially obviously if they pass, but you know, my mother's still alive. It's, it's harder to go to her because it is a, an age demographic that's just harder to talk about it with, but it's, I found that I'm starting to open this dialogue up with my daughter mm-hmm. and in the hopes that we can clear what's been going on with us and our relationship so that she doesn't have to have as big of a mother wound experience as I've had. Like she'll still have one, but I let's just clear. <laughs> yeah, it's clear. She'll still have one, but you know, we can begin lessening it and it doesn't Absolutely. have, she doesn't have to wait till she's 45 to begin healing it. She can, you know, just be aware of it now. And the more honest I am with her and I take the shame out of the way of the conversation, then hopefully she'll learn to open up a little bit you know, more about it. Of course she will. And she's in a maturing phase and guess what she's doing? She's initiating. And so she's like, see you mama, I'm doing this myself. (laughs) And, and you'll get a chance, you know, that life just always works that way. You know, our kids always find a way. Well, I guess I can't say always, but mainly they go out, they do their thing, they come back. And when they were two, they did it within two minutes. And when they're older, they do it within two years, I don't know, 20 years, but There's often a time when we'll get them back. So love yourself, heal yourself, heal this mother of a wound that you (laughs) have. This motherfucking wound. This mother of a wound. This this inner kid is inner city kids call my mama a mother. And she didn't know what they were talking about. It was very funny. I wasn't going to explain it to her. I was like, no, I don't know what that means, mama. So here we go. It's been lovely talking to you today. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being with us. As we always say. Spread the love. love.